This chapter is a division. It is the end of one thing, the start of another, the start of the end. You know the expression? This is the first day of the rest of your life? You could also say, this is the first day of the remainder of your life. The gangway is what it spells. The departure from a ship. A ship that has left port and is under sail. Sea terms were not met, according to the sailor. And the sailor, me, asks to disembark. And he's granted that. As with the ship, as with the ride on the tiger, how do you get off? When it is ocean all around and you, but a single hand, wait is how. Wait your two weeks, as the contract stipulates, till it's convenient for the ship to let you off. You will have to be replaced. Never thought of that, did you? Someone has to take up the ropes. The ship must journey. Though one voice discontents. A ship is an entity, I another. And my entity trumps the ship, doesn't it? In pandemic times, when getting the vaccine in the arm will save the herd, you may insist that you choose what goes into your body. You go individual. Refuse to have your arm plucked and poked, your body filled with an unknown. Such violates the individual doesn't it? The community is in jeopardy. The individual violates the community, a community you enjoy benefits from. In any case, we will see how it is to sail without a ship and not be crew. We will see how diet of thistle and locusts fares and not city bread. Your banishment contributes to the beginning of the end, the end of your steps through this life, your breath, your flowing blood, your fingers, toes, all to disappear. From the hallway with my school bag, in my slippers and necktie, before class is over, I leave the dim passage and the building to enter the sun. I follow along a ledge. It is an outside stairs next. And the entering of the expansive staff room. I cross the floor, bow to scant teachers at desks, and then it is my desk where I see my shoes and get them on. 
Minnesota Joe is at his desk, feet away, doing attendance. You're not in class, he says, and he looks at the staff room clock. Then who is looking after them? His is a whiskered face, with moist mouth. His breath hits my hands as I get my notebook, my journal. Just had to come back here, I say. Minnesota Joe is the same who flipped through the news magazine in the noodle shop. I was there. We had gone to lunch together. He and I were eating, and he asked for my ginger strips. He showed me photos of an explicit nature that were in the magazine. His lips quivered. He said nothing but swallowed hard and studied my face. In a news magazine. Look, he said, and was visibly stirred by a desire that the Buddhists say not only bring, but is the suffering of this world. He is talking now, Minnesota Joe, from his desk. Did you let them go early? You can't do that in Japan. Also, the attendance. I saw your form was not filled in. A girl cannot go missing here. You're not taking it seriously. The chart. We share these 80, and my name is on it. 80? I say. His lips quiver. He dips his head. His pale blue eyes sing. His mouth says, I've got to get ready. I knew then about carrying loads. Minnesota Joe had been here five years, but gives the new guy a class with 50 while he takes 30. And of the 80, did he choose my 50 from what he knew of them? Did he cherry-pick his class, in other words? I learn later that he did. It's the compatriot of sorts out here whose language and culture you identify with. That's the one to watch on the road. My shoes are on. Where are you going, he says. The Japanese teachers look at me without putting an eye on me. That is a herd skill. We all have it. The ability to note out of the corner of your eye what is transpiring. I answer nothing to Joe and feel good that I won't be across from his moist mouth soon. Maybe. I don't know what will happen here as I enter the sun again and feel a ton better in my shoes. Where am I going? To see Kawakami, the big man, the school owner, the boss, in his office. The man has his own building, a one-story swept back half under a pine affair. Inside its door, I begin to exchange my shoes for slippers, but these slippers were for a female foot. I couldn't even get my toes in. This is no place of invitation, not for me. I'm off the path and on the lawn, in other words. I begin down a hall, pass and pass, one office door after another. They're open, each door. 
The offices have secretaries in them. Typewriters, remember them? I hear the odd peck, and maybe that's the scratch of a notepad, a pencil, a graphite lead. And that? That must be a pen, a ballpoint. And that? The lick of an envelope. No radios play. Light leaves these offices, and I look in. I see female figures peer out with lineless faces, taking a moment to realize that a foreigner, in shoes, street shoes, is passing by. This is the freak 100-year rainstorm, and it comes in a dawning effect. A dawning like that of a car accident, witnessed. A lengthy, unfolding event. I put my head in a final office, give the lightest rap on the door casing, feel as though I'm digging through my Aunt Kay's purse. Kawakami-san? I say to his secretary. End office, comes the English reply, pliant and unaware. Unaware of this passing over of the key to the vault. Kawakami sits at his big table, room center, in a suit and a tie, a coffee cup near, his laptop before him, battery mode, no cable. He looks up from the light of the screen and his face is as far removed from my presence as would be the passerby in a street in Paris. No greeting, none. His face goes to the clock in his peripheral vision, the clock with no hands, the clock that is beyond the alcove window, and the clock that is in the sky south, the light of day. How did you get in here? I can't teach those students. You said 20. Why did you come here? Because you gave me the job. I felt the weight of all, of all the volumes of Japanese jurisprudence on my shoulders. My foreignness, in the land of the rising sun, front and center, I have just insulted one of the great citizens, elder, male, successful, rich, and there is a mirror hall echo of the slap I have just delivered, my host, my alienship, my privileged status, brought to discussion and the discussion will not go well, not for me. Why do you come to me? You gave me the job. We signed a contract in this room. What do you want to do? Well, leave if it stays like this. He stared and stared, and in that moment as we all can do, he took the subject before him's life into consideration. It's before, it's now, and it's to come. And I see that no similar event as this one here has ever occurred in his life, 
in Kawakami's. I see that, this man with his staff of hundreds over the years. Nothing has been like this, no such scene, no such violation in this deep room under the pines. And I know, I know, I know, after the first class, he says none of this. I can't teach them, I said. Is this your notice? Well, I guess it is. Two weeks, then. In this exchange, the line I regret most, I can't teach them. It was the timing, the placement of the line. I can't teach them. It was groveling, undignified, weak. It makes me shudder now. Although shuddering has gone for me, as you can well imagine. No one quits here. Well, I didn't plan to quit. Something else had its hand on the tiller. Something manly. Something pushy, if that's not your word, manly. Something red-faced, breath-held and aggressive. Something pushing the lighter hand away because a storm was upon us. I said no more. I looked down at my street shoes. The flooring was tatami, reed. Big stuff in Japan not to walk over this, especially in street shoes. He was in slippers. My shoes were insult enough. I stood a four-legged pasture animal in his kitchen, near the stove where food cooks in pots. That was it. He went back to his computer. I bowed and moved back and grit my teeth at my obeisance, veneration, submission, deference. Was that what Satan as angel had such trouble with? Bowing? Venerating the Lord? I am in the hall, all feels angled passing these open offices of latent secretaries. And it was here that fast that I felt their coldness come out the doors. It was in the silence. It was instantaneous. The boss had sent out word through telepathy. Out to the school, through a button under his desk, maybe, that flashed red for every working soul at the school. The new foreigner had disgraced himself, soiled his pants, and was not to be talked to. Do it, and it is to your own detriment. I was in the sun and feeling its warmth, its good rays, but also that they were not quite on me yet. The sun rays. Not yet. There are two more weeks. I was young, my freedom reinstalled, however, a sweetness to it all, but not yet, not fully. There were two weeks to serve, but it would be nothing. I would go back to Hiroshima, where I had friends, where I had a girlfriend that I had still fortunately not called. A teacher passed by as I was in the hallway, 
a man I knew to be a teacher but otherwise did not know. He did not return my konichiwa, my greeting, that fast, that resolute. I felt its ice. I could taste it in my molars. Fine, I said to myself, if that's the way you do it here. Let it be over soon and let me be out of here. I can make two weeks. I can take two weeks of ice. I went back to class and it was the hell Mazahiko had forecast. And when that 3.30 p.m. minute came and I was released from a yoke far too heavy for me, I took myself that was a shell, a windbreaker of a young man, and got to my bicycle at the bike shed. No one had looked at me in the hall. They had turned their faces away. Pairs of them. Threes of them. But someone was at the bike shed waiting. It was Yoko-san. She was at the bike shed waiting for the foreign teacher, the new one. The person non grata, whose welcome is over and final. Yoko-san and I had chatted at the party, the party they had for me, and also in the staff room, and so we had become friends. We had come together like chemical bonds. You spot these people and the immediate friendship transcends culture and age and gender. Yoko-san had invited me over to her house to meet her family and to eat a supper she would cook. This was not going to happen. She touched her eyeglasses, looked over her shoulder. She turned to me and spoke. Randall Rusan, this is Japan. Her pronunciation of Japan seemed wrong. Though it was her country, though it was her culture, it was her word. Yet to me it sounded almost laughable. And there it is, the egocentricism that we all possess. Yoko-san bowed. There were too many students, I said. Those girls are naughty. But your co-teacher, Joe, I saw. I'm no teacher, Yoko-san. Thank you. She studied me, then disappeared behind the shed because a car with tinted windows rolled up. It was non-teaching, fully employed Brad Harris in aviator sunglasses. They told me it wasn't working out, he said to me out the window, and then offered no more. And what would be more? Some repair for the situation. But of course there was no repair. He knew that. I knew that. There is no repair for the injured feeling. Brad's car hummed. I envied him. No classroom, well-dressed, tinted windows. And still in the fold, I mounted my bike seat. See you around, I said. I rode off. I rolled over the sidewalk, my bag rattling in the basket at the handlebars, my necktie climbing, going over, 
then flapping past my shoulder. The wind felt good on my face. I rode through the city, the city streets, and then I entered the lane to the country. I rode along the dusty autumn rice paddies that lined the vacant highway, Highway 20, where probably 20 cars set before, under, and beyond an overpass, a working overpass. Inside the cars were bosses and secretaries, or so Minnesota Joe had informed me. He had informed me all about this arrangement. It was an infidelity, open and communal, he said. It was how it was done here. How the problem was handled, he said, and smiled. Driver and passenger smoked with windows down, I saw that, and no music played. I passed each car, rode under the overpass and beyond the long tail of cars. A red sky was overhead. Storm? Oh, yes, storm, and not far off. I passed Farmer Kilroy, whom I had seen lay a gun in the back of his small truck. He was old enough to have been in the war. He owned the fields, I presumed, out here near the house, the cottage, that I had given $4,000 to get a key. The 4000 was key money, and it was necessary in order to rent in Japan. Would I get it back? Farmer Kilroy stared. What his woes were, what my woes were. The farmer put arms akimbo and blatantly watched me pass. Watch, dear farmer, watch and enjoy, for this is the start of the last you'll see of me. Stay away from the country. This is my advice to the world. My last advice. And you might have a better life as an outlaw than you would as an ESL teacher. It's not all fun and games. A larger world is watching. A larger world is waiting. Thank you.